G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. If I had left prior to that 18-month period, I would have been leaving prematurely and for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. I needed that period of being unsettled to just actually say, yes, I can release this. Because it was my baby, it had grown and it was becoming a teenager at this stage. Then a role became available at Focus on the Family. The story. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, we find out what led up to Brett Ryan becoming the CEO for Focus on the Family Australia. He has quite a diverse background, everything from being a critical care nurse to being a children's pastor, but always with a heart for helping families. That's Brett Ryan from Focus on the Family sharing his journey today on The Story. Brett's chatting with Karen Hunt. You have quite a story in your own right The fact that you're sitting in that CEO seat right now with focus hasn't been an instantaneous thing, has it? No. We've all got stories. We've all (laughs) had journeys. Mine is uh, my own unique one for me. It sure is. And I know for me, the connection with Focus on the Family came about... Oh my goodness, many years ago I was in Colorado. I was uh, based with a beautiful Christian family just outside of Denver. They introduced me to Dr. James Dobson. They introduced me to the organization. I actually had the privilege of touring in Colorado Springs and ended up back here many years later being a Queensland rep for Focus on the Family. But about you, Brett, right now <laughs> you you started off in your professional world as a critical care nurse. Tell us a little bit of what led you, first of all, into that profession. Well, I probably have to go back a little bit to when I was in high school. I had sort of, at one stage, I was going to be a DJ. I remember Uh I was going to be on the radio. I used to do my own recordings, and that was a bit of fun. And then next thing, I was going to be a commercial artist, design work for packaging and what have you. I was quite good at graphic design and, and artistic things. And then I went and I did my work experience, I went to this biggest firm in Melbourne, and there was only two drawers, and I thought, man, this is going to be a bit harder than I thought it was going to be. So I got put off that, and then I realized I love the human body, and I wanted a job that wasn't going to be taken over by computers. Prior to that, I was actually a leader at a camp for diabetic kids through the Royal Children's Hospital. Uh I was only 16 years of age. They'd never had anyone so young apply to be a leader at one of these camps, and it actually just transformed my world because I just saw... The, the medical staff and the nursing staff attending to these kids at a, at a camp. It was a fun camp and it gave me a, a new appreciation of how to serve people and, uh, and I just felt that God had given me a, an ability to connect with people. I love the idea of serving them and so initially I was thinking about physiotherapy but nursing came around and I ended up becoming a registered nurse. You sound very similar to me in many ways with regard to the creative bent, but also the caring bent. I think God certainly wires us in certain ways for certain reasons. Following on from the nursing, you actually felt that God was unsettling you in that area. What happened next? I felt like 
there was a bit of unsettling. I didn't know what it really meant. I was an associate unit manager. I'd been at a number of hospitals, including the trauma centre at the Alfred Hospital. I went to the Royal Children's Hospital for a year. I was seconded there, and I loved working at the Royal Children's Hospital. And, and then I was actually applying for unit manager positions, and I was actually getting them. But I used to actually put a fleece out to God and say, God, you need to confirm whether this is what I'm supposed to be. And every time there was something, an obstacle that uh, presented themselves that prevented me from saying yes. And that lasted for about six months. And then out of the blue, completely blindsided, the senior pastor of my church, Mark Connor, um, knocked on my door, well, actually made an appointment with the executive minister and uh, said, we want you to become the next children's pastor. And we really feel that it's a, a God decision, but it's up to you. We'll give you a week to think about oh, it. Oh, wow. Well, I'm going, I wasn't <laughs> looking for it. I definitely didn't think uh, I was going to go in the ministry. My wife had made it very adamant she was never going to marry someone who was in the ministry. And uh, and then sure enough, this this decision was posed before me. And and I'm very rarely lost for words, but for about 10 minutes, I could not articulate a sentence that was legible. I'm going, I, 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 I couldn't get quite the words out. I couldn't believe it. My wife, she said, I saw it coming. And I said, no, you know, She's perfect. She knows how to do all those things. She can hear from God more than I can. But she said, I think this is something that you should seriously consider. And I said, okay, I will seriously consider it. And for a week, I probably would have slept maybe two hours a night because I was just wrestling with it and saying yes, no. And then my wife was saying no, yes. And I was yes, no. And then we occasionally said yes at the same time. And then we eventually said no at the same time. And then it got to the point after a week, we really had this settling that said, Yes. A week later, I'm going, boy, what have I done? But then I was actually at a small little church in Namurka. We went there as a family. We were already planned for a holiday there. And the minister there, it was a little Christian bookshop, and we were there with my family. Our kids were very small at that stage, and we were sort of thinking, we're creating too much noise, we better leave. But then just before we left, he goes, I've got a word for you. And he just says, you're just about to embark on something you'd never imagined in your wildest dreams. And the Lord just wants to let you know that he thinks this is a great decision, and you know this is the perfect will of God. The devil doesn't like it. You're going to have some obstacles, but... I want you to know that you're in my plans. So that was icing on the cake. But believe it or not, about 12 months later, he said he was speaking to my mother-in-law and he says, well, how's Brett going with his new role? And she gave a very affirming answer. And he says, I did have something extra on that little prophetic word. And it Mm -hmm. said, he didn't know anything about me. I've never met the gentleman before. But he said he pictured me walking out of a hospital Mm -hmm. being surrounded by children. Oh, wow. At times, I think I wish he had shared that one at the time because that would have made a lot more sense because it was certainly a baptism of fire going to a ministry. And Mm. after I'd started, after two weeks, I'm really saying, God, what have you got me Mm. into? This is a, a very, very big and very responsible position. And I did that for 12 years, and I loved every moment of it. I had the privilege of leading hundreds and hundreds of kids to the Lord and Mm. mentored hundreds of leaders, and so it was a a real privilege. I'm imagining, though, that you were involved with the kids of City Life Church prior, yeah? No, that's the thing. That's the blind side. None at all? I was not involved at all. Really? Well, being a, a shift worker, I could never really commit myself to any form of formal leadership. I'd been involved in young adults briefly. I'd been Uh involved in youth for a number of years. I had done one or two guest speaking engagements in children's ministry, but that's about as far as it went. I was not involved at all. So I was a really out of left field appointment. Wow. 
And then I had to convince the people who, you know, the leaders or the church that I was the right man for the job. And probably after 12 months, I really felt, you know, that real settling in my spirit and said, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. So 12 years working as children's pastor, City Life Church there in Melbourne, an independent Pentecostal church. Again, another unsettling time happened within your spirit. It's probably about an 18-month journey that I felt like God was unsettling. I felt like I had achieved a level of success. And it wasn't blowing my own trumpet by doing that. I said, you know, I was in a a great thriving church and I had the privilege of leading a great team of volunteers and staff. And there seemed to be all around great things happening. I loved it. I was serving in our community, doing things in schools. But I felt that God was saying, I I feel like I want to stretch you more. I want to challenge you more. I want to see you doing some other things. And For me, it was very confusing because I actually love what I was doing, but I also wanted to be stretched and challenged because after you do something for a while, it becomes pretty easy. Now, I'm not saying it was an easy job. You start, you know, releasing people into their giftings and talents, and I felt that I'd achieved that. And so I was, you know, working myself out of a job, which as a leader, that's what you're supposed to do. And then I felt like uh, for about 18 months, God was saying, I think your season's finishing. And I was speaking to the senior pastor and seeking what God had for me. And if I had left prior to that 18-month period, I would have been leaving prematurely and for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. I needed that period of being unsettled to just actually say, yes, I can release this because it was my baby. It had grown and I had, you know, been, um, you know, started from, uh, you know, in its embryonic stage and it was becoming a teenager at this stage. I felt like I I couldn't let go. But that 18 month was the time where I actually could say, yes, it's time to let go and feel really at peace about it. Then a role became available at Focus on the Family. How are things within the Australian office now? Well, it's been certainly a a bit of a journey. I felt like a bit like the Apostle Paul that was sent to Asia Minor and then everything was going wrong and then it was directed to uh, Macedonia. And I felt that God was calling me to focus and then everything was happening all at once. There was uh, some significant financial challenges that needed to take place and unfortunately that resulted in some staff reductions and some staff redundancies. Mm -hmm. And here as a natural team builder... And the first thing I have to do is actually cut the team. Mm. And I'm sort of, that's a very confusing time. And some very key players as well. Very much so. Very much so. It wasn't an easy decision. But uh, if I hadn't made some of those important decisions, the runway was going to get shorter and shorter. And then, you know, I don't know what was going to happen. And I really wanted to make sure that focus on the family with its great heritage and great foundation over the last 20 years was going to be here for a lot longer. Mm. So some very important important decisions needed to be made, very difficult decisions, but decisions that unfortunately resulted in, as I said, some staff reductions and staff redundancies. And it feels like I've gone down to ground zero, if you like, with an incredibly great foundation to build upon and just to be a presence and to be a voice for the voiceless and to be able to help as many families I possibly can through the services of radio and resources and speaking and all those type of things, I feel that I have been born for such a time as this. You're listening to The Story. Today, we're hearing from Brett Ryan. He's from Melbourne, sharing his journey to becoming the CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. Next, we'll hear some of the challenges that he and his wife faced when they wanted to start their family. That and more when we return. The Story.
If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. This is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt's conversation with children's pastor turned CEO of Focus on the Family, Brett Ryan. Next, Brett shares some of his challenges that he and his wife faced when they wanted to start their family. But first, of course, some family tips. So what do you see, Brett, is the biggest need of the moment within Australian families? Wow, where does one start? (laughs) Where does one start? I actually think, I mean, if I was going to try and pick one, um, is for mum and dad to be united in a loving, caring relationship. And if they're on the same page together as a couple, then they can parent intentionally. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say that is that I think sometimes you can be very spontaneous and what have you, but I think if people go with the idea that we are but stewards of our children, we want to be be the best stewards we can possibly be because we don't actually own our kids. God owns our kids. We need to do the very best that we possibly can in that small little 20-year-plus period and to nurture and guide them and to think, what type of young adult do I want to produce? Do I want to have one that's compassionate, kind and considerate, resilient, and be able to contribute to society and to shape their God-honoring character and skills and abilities and to release them into what God has called them to be. There's a lot of other issues that are facing young people today, and to help guide and shape the character of a young person, you have to be really aware of what's going on and not try and keep their head in the sand. That's in the area of drugs, alcohol, pornography, a very sexualized culture, Uh, There's a number of issues that can really scare parents nowadays and so much so that they get so scared that they don't want to delve down because they don't know, they don't want to uncover something. Mm -hmm. But if we can tackle it with being guided by God and and with wisdom and not to react. I mean, I was speaking to a gentleman only this morning about their child, the grandson had been involved in uh, pornography and the mother has flipped the switch and doesn't want to have anything to do with the other family that exposed their child to Mm -hmm. pornography. And I actually said, that's probably, the kid is already hurting, there's grieving at the time. And just to actually help them guide and say that this is an error, this is the reasons why. How can we prevent you from going in further into this area of pornography. And it's not just young people, it's also older people and there's also females who are having this problem as well. And there are so many issues that are key right across our country. I guess right now an unashamed plug for the programs and resources of Focus on the Family Australia. How is Focus meeting these needs today? Well, there's a host of different things. Obviously, we're on the radio and we love the support that we have from Vision and to be aired with our broadcasts. Just going for our website, we've uh, got a host of different resources that are available to them. There's lots of books and small group programs that they can actually help navigate in the area of parenting, such as starting points, how to drug-proof your kids. They're great parenting tools. Uh, there's also an area called No Apologies, which is on an area of sexuality for young, young adults or teenagers. So there's that part of things. And then there's also just being invited to come and speak at uh, various functions in the area of parenting or relationships. 
and to be able to help communities both inside and outside the four walls of the church. Mm, so the opportunities are endless. And if people are interested to find out more of what is available, what's the best way they can do that? Well, the best way is that they can either phone us on 1300 300 361. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, they can go via our website on families.org.au and there's an email response they can contact us through there. Fantastic. Now, Brett, before we go... Just rewinding to your own family, you know, focusing on the family of Brett Ryan. I remember you mentioning to me earlier about your dear wife, Kate, who you've now been married to for 24 years. She was actually involved in a car accident. She was bed bound for for 18 months. The challenges you must have faced as a couple. First of all, let us know in what time frame did this happen? About our third year of marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, a car, unfortunately, just stopped in the middle of the road where Kate was driving and she T-boned into that car. And um, fortunately, no one was killed. He actually kept on driving. He was knocked unconscious and had a punctured lung and a fractured clavicle. But all those got better really quite quickly. My wife didn't break any bone whatsoever. She was quite protected there. However, she tore every ligament and tendon in her back, neck and shoulders from the impact. And so that resulted in her having to leave work She was a PE teacher, so you can imagine how that affected her. She couldn't move really freely, and she was basically housebound for about 18 months. And so Mm. from a young couple, you know, growing up, and you want to, you know, and obviously the the romance and the excitement of being as a couple and the intimacy of that all had to take a back seat because Mm -hmm. obviously she was in so much pain. And so it's our friendship and our love for God was the thing that brought us through. Mm. And there was another incident with Kate where uh, you guys were actually told you were unable to have kids. I believe God proved you obviously wrong. Yeah, that was a very interesting time. And it was almost just prior to Kate having the car accident. Kate was uh, rushed to hospital with an acute abdomen and she had to have emergency surgery and it was discovered that she had uh, endometriosis and some other condition called polycystic ovaries and she was told in no uncertain terms by the obstetrician that uh, it was one of the worst cases he had seen and uh, by the way you're probably infertile and you won't be able to have children. So that's a pretty in-your-face type of statement to hear and it was around that time we were actually considering starting a family but then Kate was involved in a car accident and that took a back seat and all of that. And then as she was getting better, my mother-in-law actually gave a suggestion of going to a healing meeting and she felt very strongly that this was a time when she was going to be healed of her back pain. And, and sure enough, miraculously, her whole, whole back was healed within that little window. And at the same time, I think miraculously, uh, we were able to conceive despite our challenges that we were faced with we went to a naturopath who gave us this elixir of life, we call it, um, or puppy's dog's tails and eye of newt because we call it the elixir of terror yeah. and uh, help with the power of prayer and this elixir of life wow. or elixir of terror because it tasted terrible. Uh, my wife was able to get pregnant and so it was a, a real miracle all around for both being pregnant and for my wife to be healed. Wow, God is a miraculous God, isn't he? He is. And the little did you know way back then that you would now be the head man, the CEO of Focus on the Family (laughs) here within Australia. I know. It's a very exciting journey to be part of. I mean, I've had the privilege of looking after people's physical challenges and Mm -hmm. physical needs. And then I was able to work as a children's pastor and help shape and mould 
their spiritual being, and now I'm in a, in a very privileged position to be able to help families relationally and emotionally and spiritually to have relationally healthy families. And it's a, it's a real honour to be part of this great organisation. Well, Brett Ryan, thanks for sharing your story. And again, if people want to find out more about the opportunities with Focus on the Family, the website is? Families.org.au or call us on 1300 361. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Brett Ryan, CEO of Focus on the Family Australia. And as we just heard, Brett and his wife Kate have had their share of challenges along the way. But nothing has distracted them from their desire to serve the Lord and help families thrive across Australia. A much needed ministry indeed. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story... So each week that I'd come to, to see him and we would chat, I would check his progression. But then on the drive up, I would think about my week and reflect on it and the things that I wanted to share with Eric. And I just started stripping things out because when you're going through what he's going through, a lot of things just don't become important. Eric Ludwig is a committed Christian and a songwriter. Unfortunately, he's also in the final stages of motor neuron disease, or MND. But his friend, Scott Benton, says he isn't letting the disease keep him from shining his light for all to see in the hospital. And he is still composing songs with the help of a music therapist. We'll hear Eric's story and a bit of his music next time. 